Lord Jesus. Thank the Lord for his mercy and his grace. Amen. Greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And glad we can join together like this and with you all. Church is empty, but we're believing in the in the mighty host. Amen. Joining together with us. And Brother Aaron, that uh, screen is not on in the back. It's not working. All right. We'll have to go by memory. This is working, though, so we're okay. Glad day when I was born again. We've been hearing a lot about being born again, and it's very, very, very important. you got to be born again if you want to see the kingdom. Amen. Oh, glad day. Like a blind man that 
God gave back his time Like a poor wretched beggar That's found fortune and fame I'm so glad that I found out He could bring me out through his holy Son of man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? And we believe, and that he wants us to believe. And we believe that in the bride there is faith. And where we lack in faith, we're asking God to increase our faith. Amen. We have a couple of prayer requests tonight. I'm just going to read um, one is for uh, Brother Jeremy Clausen who uh, recently went through a kidney transplant um, but has had to go back under surgery even now. He's in surgery for complications. So we just want to remember that need and that family and the Calgary believers in prayer. We'll stand with them. And then also I've got a request here from Brother Milko. Um, he's asking prayer for a pharmacist in Langley. Her name is 
Elena. She's uh, been very nice and respectful. He's known her for a few years. And she's soon up for an operation. And she was thankful to her. Uh, she was very thankful when she heard that um, and Brother Milka was going to bring this request before the church and that we'll be praying for her. So I'm going to remember those two requests before the Lord. Amen. Let's just go to prayer now. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. We appreciate you, Father. We love you with all of our hearts, Lord. You are so good to us, Lord. And we're so thankful, Father, that you are faithful. That you are faithful and you to every promise that you have made, Lord. You have said in your word, Lord God, that you would have a bride. And tonight, Lord Jesus, we're thankful that the message has come by our way and called us out. Unto yourself, Lord God. The bridegroom has come. We're being joined together in that invisible union by the revealing of your word, Lord, and the anointing of your Holy Spirit, Father. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd increase in us, Lord. Increase our faith, Father. Help us to have a closer walk with you, Lord. Father God, you transcend all barriers, Lord, that Satan could try to put in the way, Father. Even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of a lockdown, Lord God, this doesn't stop you, O God. You are unstoppable, Father. And we believe that tonight, Lord God. We believe with all of our hearts, Father. And you have asked us to do one thing, Lord Jesus, and that is just to believe you, Lord. So tonight, Father God, we pray that you'd go forth, even as Brother Michael Ray would come and minister behind this little platform, behind this pulpit, Lord God. Father, I pray that you'd give him utterance, Lord, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit to speak the very words of life that our people, that the bride that is connected with us, Lord, by way of internet, Father, around the world, O God, would meet every need, Father. Oh, would strengthen us, Lord, and encourage us and just give us strength to keep pressing on, O God. For you are a God of the impossible, Lord. We're so thankful for that, O God. Lord, tonight we remember these prayer requests, Lord. We pray for Brother Jeremy tonight, Lord, even now, O God. We pray that you'd give the doctors the wisdom that they have need of, Father, to perform the uh, emergency operation, Lord. But, Father God, you are the great physician, Lord. And we pray, O God, that you would just drop down in that operating room, Lord, and do a work that no man can do, Father. You are the healer, Lord, the healer of the broken pieces, Lord God. We're so thankful for that, O God. And for this lady that Brother Milko knows, this pharmacist, Lord Jesus, we pray for her, O God. Pray that you'd be with her during this operation, Lord, whatever it might be, Father God. Lord Jesus, you know, and we pray that you'd take control, Father. And above all, Lord Jesus, there would be a seed in there that would be quickened, O God to the eternal life, Lord God. Grant it, Father, Lord Jesus, we pray. Thank you for what you've done in our midst, Lord. How you've strengthened our brother Tom, O oh God. We appreciate it so much, Lord. Pray you just continually bless him and strengthen him, Lord God. We remember brother Ron Spencer, Father, at this time, O oh God. Pray that you'd be with him, Lord. He's just going through battle after battle, Lord God. 
But Father, we thank you that we are victorious through the blood of Jesus Christ. We bless your name, Lord. Remember Brother Ed Biskell and Sister Ruth, Lord, tonight. Our pastor and his wife, Lord. Be their strength, O God. O Father, strengthen their bodies, we pray. Take full control of every exercise of this service, Lord. Receive our worship tonight, Lord. May you be pleased to come and dwell among, walk and dwell amongst us, Lord Jesus. Granted, Father, we pray. We commit all things to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Let's sing. I've got to prove I'm one in a million. Well, I've got to prove I'm one in a million. I've got to show. This world isn't worth
the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Isn't it good to serve the Lord? To be one of His children. Amen. And to have the opportunity to prove that Jesus Christ is living in us. Amen. To be a witness for Him. Thank you, Lord. Pray that, uh, we'll ask Brother Michael Ray to come and um, come out and minister unto us. And maybe we can sing a little song, Consume Me, Lord, with the fire of Your Spirit, as He comes. Consume me, Lord, with the fire of your Spirit. Consume me, Lord, and make me more like you. Break me, Lord, and bless broken pieces of my life. Sometimes not the easiest to be broken. But we said, Lord, take the pieces. Mend me and mold me into what you'd have in your own perfect image. Amen. It's what he desires, not what we desire. Amen. My, this is not what I expected ever to come back to. Is an empty, empty sanctuary. Blessed Brother Sam, you, you can bring me down just a little bit. I feel like I'm echoing in a cavern here. <laughs> Not that it's loud, it's just empty. Good to see some of you on the screen in front of me. That's going to be helpful. God bless you, Brother John. Oh my, everybody there, God bless you. It's wonderful to have you, even my little family, sitting there on the couch. God bless you. We're thankful we can at least use technology to our benefit in some way here. That'll be, we'll be done, the musicians, for now. Thank you. We're going to turn directly to the scripture. We're going to turn to Psalms 42. Very, very familiar scripture. 
Lord, help me tonight. Just help me just to bring the bring the thought the way He'd desire. Take my own thoughts away and just let Him take control. Amen. Well, I'm not waiting for the pages to finish turning, so <laughs> I guess we could just go right to Scripture, assuming that you're all there. All right. David wrote in Psalms 42, verse 1, he said, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God. My a scripture we know so well. I just my soul thirsts for God, for a living God. David had probably seen a whole lot of different he'd been in, with Philistines and all around about he'd seen plenty of idols and false gods. He says my soul thirsts not just for a God. He said for a living God. He knew there was a living God and he wanted to serve him and his soul thirsted for him as the scripture says as a heart panteth We'll just also slip over to uh, Matthew 5, verse 6. Again, a very, very familiar scripture. You should already almost probably be able to quote it. It's in the chapter of the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, verse 6. It says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And then there's the promise, for they shall be filled. Amen? There's a promise associated with that. Not just blessed are they, but there's also the other side, which is they shall be filled. Amen? Amen. Well, you can, we'll just have a word of prayer before we have our seats. Heavenly Father, Lord, wonderful scriptures, scriptures that we have heard, Lord, from even just uh, little children, Lord, as a heart panteth for the water brook. Even we sing a song, as the deer panteth, Lord. So does my soul panteth after thee, O God. Lord, tonight, Lord, we just... Speaking and fellowship around your word, Lord. May, Lord, you break the bread, not man. Lord, not breaking, Lord, bread of, of man, but Lord, this is the bread of life, Lord. This is your eternal words, Lord. And we can read it on a page, but Lord, when you come behind it with the inspiration of your word, you can take your words, Lord, and you can instill it in a life, Lord. You can change a heart, Lord. You can bring them closer to you, O God. It's Lord, your word is everlasting. It's powerful, Lord. It's love divine. And so, Lord, would it just reach forth through these airwaves and through these wires and into homes? And Lord, would it be stirred? And would we be uplifted and strengthened this evening as we speak your word in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. The very few here can have your seats. The rest can have your seats at home. God bless you. I just want to take a little thought. I just want to speak on the bride's desire. And uh, and so I, I just want to just speak a little bit about thirst and our desire and our hunger. And scripture has a lot of references to thirst it, it, it and hunger. There's a lot of different um, times that it, it relates um, our spiritual desire to as a as a uh, for God to a, a natural desire of thirst and hunger, as we've read, as the heart panteth. David speaking a heart for little ones that says a deer uh, panteth for the water brooks, and that panteth is is not just a a simple um, you know like a dog would would pant per se. This is a, this is a deep yearning and a deep need that this deer is needing for the water brooks, as Brother Branham would would uh, explains in in the different messages. And and our body we, we have a desire. We're built with a desire to thirst. Uh, we're built with a, this system that activates if we're in need of. Of, of water. 
water, a critical element of life. And so uh, God has placed that in us. He's placed not just for thirst, but also for hunger. And, but water, if we talk about water, it's as the deer panted after the water brooks. This water is really, as far as a need for us, is second only to really air. Uh, there's lots of air, and so we breathe that without even thinking. But, but that water is, is vital for life. It's vital for mankind to even survive. In fact, it's NASA's motto. Their motto is follow the water because, of course, they're searching for life in other places um, to uh, no avail. But that's their motto is to follow water because where there's water, there's life. And so there's, there's this, uh, the, the need for it is, is just incredibly vital. And uh, what if we can we can survive maybe about three or four days with uh, without water? That's that's the limit. You know, you go a few days and uh, and the human body is uh, is going to break down and die. Our bodies, we got about 60 percent of our bodies are full of water. And so you can see why the need is there. We, we, we desire it and we crave it uh, because, you know, if we if we lack water, if we lack water, we actually start to. To, our cells start to shrink, and so the cells inside us start to shrink as they send water that's inside the cell. They start sending it out because they're seeing the lack and they want to get it into the blood flow, and uh, and so things start to shift and change in our body. And what happens then is as these cells start to shrink, specific ones, specifically our brain cells, they start to shrink, and and that in itself just sounds like a very bad thing because then our whole mental capacity starts to shift and change as the cells start to uh, to adjust in, in, to their size. And so our brain becomes smaller, it starts taking up less room, our blood vessels connecting it inside start to pull away and rupture, and that's why you get delirium and hallucinations and all these things that happen just because just we're lacking one simple little element on the periodic table, which is H2O, which is water. And it's, it's one of these most basic little things. It doesn't even have really that huge chemical structure, but it's just these two little oxygen atoms, or hydrogen, sorry, and, and oxygen atoms, and it's just basic, but it, it actually is, it's a most incredible structure that uh, God created. But, and so in that, he created our, an incredible desire or need for water. And, and what we all, what happens also is our, our kidneys shut down because of the lack thereof, and everything just to fail, and that's why in three or four days, we die. And so water is, uh, it's, it's, a, a, it's a piece that is guaranteed for, that we, we need for life. Water regulates our body temperature, it moistens our tissues, it protects our organs and bo- our body, organs and tissues, it carries nutrients, it lubricates joints, it lessens burdens of our kidneys, and it dissolves minerals and nutrients, etc. through the body. And so it, it has a huge impact everywhere. And so now you, now just to understand when a heart, deer, but I'm talking about that deer, a deer was a deer that was actually under attack. He talks about a deer that has been wounded and he's needing to get to water. It's because it's his, it's his source or his end. Uh, he it's, it's life to him. He needs to get there because water was life. If he couldn't get there, he was going to die. And I have a, I have a, I have a teen, I've never been in a dry and thirsty land in a sense that, uh, I was about to die. But many years ago, I was in uh, Sabino County with my family. We were just in the park, not up in the mountains, but even just in the closed park. And it was July 4th, and it was plus 100 plus degrees. It was very hot. And I had little ones. And uh, it, it was just like, you know, we're just going for a walk. But, it, you know, we found out that 100 plus degrees with fairly minimal water, because we weren't really going on a hike, um, was a bad, bad thing to do. And just in a very short period of time, in the heat of that country, 
you started to realize that water became the most precious thing on the planet. And we are now, we're all, I, you know, your little ones are, are, their temperatures can't regulate well. And so, you know, they're of course priority. And so uh, it wasn't long before we knew, you know, water's immediate. And so you're looking at the map. Was there any streams around here? Well, no, there's no streams around Arizona that are running water at July 4th, 100 plus degrees. Right? It's dried up. It's gone. And so guess where we went? Back to the car. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I can understand how important it is when we get into a, point, a, a state where water becomes the sole focus and our thirst now is the most priority piece in our life. So God created this as naturally. He created a natural thirst and he created a natural source and, and, a, uh, and a place that that thirst could be quenched. But this is a parallel to our thirst for God. And of course, that's, uh, we have the natural, but we have the, we have the, we have the spiritual. And so, but before we get there, if we talk about thirst and hunger, like I said, there's, it's, uh, it goes a little bit more than just your regular, well, I'm thirsty or I'm hungry. Uh, there's a, there's something more. There's a deeper, a, a yearning or, or a longing in that thirst that, that when we talk about that heart, he's panting or he panteth. It's a deep, deep desire or, or a, a great desire or a yearn for something that's difficult or impossible to obtain. And so that's, it's more than just, well, I'm thirsty or I'm hungry. And, and, and if we look at, uh, scripture, they were a whole lot more acquainted with drought and famine and the lack thereof than we would be. We don't have, uh, we don't have in North America, we pretty much don't have, probably have not had any time where we've lacked water. We've never been in a time where we've had to, to scrounge for a, just a drop here or a drop there or, or even in food. We've never been probably in a place where, you know, we've gone three, four, five, six days without food. We've never been in that state, but in scripture there was a lot of different famines. And so they were acquainted with this, when Jesus said, that, uh, blessed are they that hunger and thirst. This wasn't just a, oh, I'm just a little thirsty and, and, uh, and because you're probably all thinking about it, you know, you're going to take a drink. I'm thirsty and so I take a drink of water. That's not what Jesus is saying. There's more to it than just, just, I'm thirsty or, or I, I need a little snack right now. He's like, blessed are they who hunger and thirst. And this hunger and thirst is a much deeper, a much more heightened aspect of thirst. It's, it's that deep longing or craving where I'm gonna die if I don't get this. I, I'm, I, I'm gonna fall apart. My body's gonna shrivel. My, my, everything is gonna, is gonna fall apart in my world if I don't achieve or attain that Goal, which, which is, as Jesus is saying, food and or water when we're thir- for thirst and hunger. And so these are become very prior, uh, a priority. And so we have to look at it in that aspect that it's not just a simple thirst, hunger. It's, it's, it's a craving or a longing or a yearning for something, for righteousness. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst. Blessed are they that yearn and desire and crave and long for righteousness. And it's at that level that God is speaking to us. Amen. And so when we are in a famine, a famine creates that need. Like as we were saying, it creates a yearning because, you know, when something disappears, <laughs> when everybody disappears, you realize how much you really would love everybody back. And so when food disappears, when water disappears, because they are so, they are so essential to life, it's very, it's that, that the response to that yearning becomes very apparent very quickly. And so God compares this need for him in terms of thirsting and hungering. To him in this level, 
in this groaning, in this deep need. That's the level that God is talking about. And so there must be this groan for God. Amen? And now... Now he's created, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so there's got to be something that's going to meet the groaning. Amen. And then we know, but Abraham speaks the message, a deep call to the deep. Because there's got to be something that responds to that deep, deep crave for something more. That craving desire for, for righteousness. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. But Abraham, he says, talks about the which we all know when he talks about the little boy who's eating the little erasers right he's eating eraser pencils at school and, and so imagine the little ones at home and you're sitting maybe listening and you think about somebody to be chewing chewing on the on the erasers and then they found him eating a rubber, a rubber pedal and that's that's weird what, what are you doing eating an eraser or eating a rubber pedal and they didn't really we know we didn't really know what was wrong with the fellow and brother Brown he talks about well they took him to the doctor and they found that his body needed something his body needed sulfur Sulfur was in the rubber, and so therefore, he's, he, he had no clue. He had no clue that that's in there. All his body called for was, th- something's in here. He didn't actually mentally probably even know, but his body yearned for it, and there it was. It was, it was there, and so he starts gnawing on rubber. He starts gnawing on this pedal. He said that sulfur had to respond to that call, or the call wouldn't have been there. If there's no sulfur to come to that call, the call would never be there. He said, and then as sure as there is a faith that believes in God and God and wants more of God, there's got to be a God somewhere to respond to the call in the heart. Amen. There's got to be a God somewhere. If your heart is yearning, if your heart is craving and saying, God, I need you up. My heart is panting after you, just like a deer pants for the water brook. He's in deep need. He's been wounded. He's bleeding. He's blood everywhere. And his life is on the line. I need you in this level. There's got to be a God to respond to that. Amen. He says, you here today believe in divine healing, don't you? What does that? See, he says, there has to be a fountain open somewhere of divine healing, or you'd never have that desire in your heart. I, said, oh, I just read that. I said, Lord, if someone, I, I don't know who's listening, but someone has a yearning, they have a need, they have a desire, they have a healing that they're needing. He said, there, there has to be a source that can meet the healing if your heart is crying for it. There has to be a Jehovah Rapha that can say, I am your healer. There had to be a Jehovah that could provide a ram for Abraham. He said, I don't know what it is, but there's a need inside him. He needed a ram at that time when he was ready to take Isaac and put him on the altar. There was a great need. There had to be someone that could divide a lamb in the middle of nowhere. And he provided a sacrifice for Abraham. That's our God. Amen. There's got to be a deep to respond to the deep. That's calling to the deep. Amen. If there's a hunger in your heart to be healed. There's got to be a God that can meet that hunger. Amen. So this thirst... That we have inside of us is created by God. But Abraham says, he says, and if he hadn't have made you like that, so that you would thirst, there would be an excuse at judgment. Okay? So if he hadn't put the thirst in you, the ability for you to be thirsty for God, he says you'd have an excuse at judgment. And you'd say, I never did thirst for God. And then how could God be a just God and judge you Justly, if you never even had a thirst. He said, nah. He says, but there is no excuse. You do. It's just that simple. You do. You will make it somewhat. 
You'll make it your wife. You'll make it your car. You'll make it something else. You'll make it something. You have a thirst. But he goes, and so you might go to church. You might try to satisfy. He goes, I have nothing against going to church. But that isn't the satisfaction. It's to find God. To find the living God of heaven into your soul that satisfies that longing and thirsting you long for. Amen? That's the key right there. To find the living God, as as David said, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. Now, you know, he said, well, I was just thinking about different desires. And what... You know, you say, well, maybe I don't have a desire, or, uh, but I just told you that you do. It's there. It's something. You've got a desire. You have a thirst. And so I thought, I said, you know, what are the world's greatest desires? Well, that's, that's like, you know, Pandora's box. But, uh, you know, so you just do a little, little searching to see what the, you know, what, what the desires of the world are. And it was interesting. I'll just give you eight of some of these desires that came up. Happiness. Money or contentment, freedom, peace, joy, balance. I guess people are talking about you know, some sort of work-life balance or something. Fulfillment, immortality. These are these are the world's greatest desires, or I should say, some of them. Some of them a little bit more broader, and you know, the fifty thousand foot level. And I was I was so keenly interested that these were some all of these because all of these you could say, well, these are um, these could be all of a believer's desires. I'm, I'm, I'm desiring joy and, and peace and, and happiness and immortality. You know, the, these aren't like, you know, these aren't some evil, uh, you know, wicked desires. These are, these are desires of this whole, whole world. But the question is, is what are they doing to try and fulfill these desires? And therein lies the difference is because they're running around now trying to satisfy thirst. They're thirsting for happiness. They're thirsting for joy. They're thirsting for peace. They're thirsting for eternal life. My goodness, the whole world is that. I mean, that would be the, the as the, you know, the, the ultimate to be able to find a solution or some, you know, medical science that could wheel back the time in, 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 in a body. They're searching for something. They thirst for it. But what are they doing? Well, they, they're working. They got jobs. However many, how many religions. And they focus on something that they feel is going to fulfill and meet the thirst and meet the longing. And maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe they, they, they have a desire for mortality. And so therefore maybe they, they are just the keenest exerciser. And they're trying to keep their body in pristine shape. Because they want to retain as much health and trying to be as ship shape as possible. Because there's a desire that they're not going to die. I don't want my body to fail. There's a thirst for something more. And so they don't know where it's at. And so they're trying to find something. And they pour themselves in to some area to try and satisfy their thirst. How sad when the world, seven and a half plus billion people are searching for these things and have a, a desire for these things. And in some cases, in many cases, out, out of their reach. And they can't find it. I said, Lord, help us reach the lost. Help us reach the lost. There's one. There is one. There's two. There's three. Whatever is left on this, on this planet while we're still here, help us find them because they have, there's a desire in them. And God's going to be sure to meet it. He's going to be sure to meet it. Brother Brown talks about a control tower that's inside of us. And he says, now he gives you things that you need, 
control tower, it directs you. You have it naturally, you have the in your brain, you know, there's certain organs and what, or hypothalamus that directs your thirst and such, and it, it, it's your control tower. And there's a control tower in the body, and it tells you the need that's needed in your body, and it's brought to you by thirst. Also, there's a control tower in the soul that tells you the spiritual things that you have need of. Something in your spirit, and, and you by this can tell what kind of life is controlling you. He sees when you, when you can see what your desires are, then you can tell by that what kind of something is in you. So now let's check, check our desires. So that control tower now can tell you where your desires are, are what is actually some, what's in you. And I wanted just to stop on this because who, we talked a few number of services way back. We talked about Sister Bruce's testimony. And a lot of people, they struggle well, do I have the Holy Ghost or do I not? And, and, and they wonder, and, and I just wanted to touch on this just a little bit here before we move on, because Brother Brown says, when you can see what your desires are, and he really points at that to Sister Bruce. He said, well, I made so many mistakes. He says, well, what, is, what was your desire and what is it now? And I just want to step into it. actually another little testimony that Brother Branham um, has. He had a, a young man who came to his house. He said, not long ago, and he came and uh, it was a man who his wife became a Christian and she went to church and such, but he did not. And so, but he said, you know, you go right anyway. He goes, that's, that's all right. And so she went to church and he, they were all happy and that was fine. He says, you know, and this, I, I'm just going to try and, and just keep this tight, but I want you just to catch this. Hopefully this will maybe help somebody. And he goes, I'd sit around. He goes, everything, uh, he goes, uh, and she really was a changed person. Brother Branham, and this went on for a couple of years. We kept, he goes, we quit playing cards and going out to parties and that, like we used to. Everything stopped. He said, I'd just come home, she'd go to church, and I'd sit around and read a library book, and uh, or go down to the lodge or something. He said, you know, because I made a sale to the car lot and I put on my coat. And said it was summertime, and he goes, uh, and he said, uh, on the road back, I hung my coat, and when I did, I went yonder, or I would wonder uh, if I gave them the keys. And so I reached in my pocket and I pulled out a piece of paper and it wrote, Where will you spend eternity? And this was on some little paper in his coat. And he, and he said, I just laid it down. I turned the fans on. I said, and I picked it up again. I, I couldn't get away from it, he says. I couldn't get away from it. He says, where will you spend eternity? A good question that everybody could ask ourselves. Where will you spend eternity? It's, it's good to be able to know and with beyond a shadow of doubt because that, if there's a question you want answered in life, that's one of them. That is the one. Where am I spending eternity? Amen. And so he sat there. He couldn't get away from it. He said, I'm 40. I got to settle that thing. That's right. So it said, I just had to turn the work over to someone else, and I went home to seek God. There, we just, Donna, turned the work over, and this now became his focus. I went home to seek God. As I went to famous minister, again, I'll just kind of uh, now move through. He went to a service with Billy Graham, and they told me you need to do certain things, and accept Christ as your personal Savior. And uh, I talked to some men, and they went out into the back, and they, and they prayed, and they prayed, and, and uh, until, enough to shout, and and uh, he says that went all out, and he goes, it still wasn't over. That he wasn't fulfilled, uh, you know. He was saying, and he goes, so I sold all my cars. He was a car dealer guy, and he sold all his cars and, and whatever else. And and then he went to another another place, and they said, well, you haven't got it to you speak in tongues. And so they took him out back, and they prayed near, prayed near, prayed all night in a big tent until he spoke in tongues. And he goes, you know, I hadn't done all this, and he said, I still didn't have it. This is what he's saying. And so he, he went to the uh, another place and. And uh, they needed to shout and raise their hands at a, and speak in tongues. Uh, sorry. 
uh, he went to the voice of healing place. And they tried to do me good, and they couldn't, he said. And they, they told me that you was a prophet. And he said, come to come and see you. And you'd tell me surely that I I'd, that I'd crossed the separating line, and there was no hope for me. So think about this. He said, they tried to do me good, and they couldn't. And said, they told me you was a prophet. Said, come to see you, and you'd tell me surely that I had crossed the separating line, and there was no hope for me. Think of that. And now if I had done all this and still didn't have it, now, Brother Branham, here's the response. I, I, Brother Branham says, I want to tell you something. He says, I'm not a prophet. That's what the people say. He says, I'm just a servant. But now you don't need a prophet to straighten you out. You just need the word of God. And he said, what Mr. Graham told you is the truth. And then Nazarene and, and uh, Pentecost have told you the truth. And yet it's not the truth. He says, to shout, raise your hands and speak in tongues. He goes, is not receiving Christ. Receiving Christ is receiving the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then all these other things take place after that. Now, you could do all those things still and not have Christ. He said, well, Brother Branham, where can I find him? I said, well, I want to ask you something. He goes, let's go back to your story. He walked up. He says, well, what do you mean? I said, well, that day when you come in and picked up that piece of paper, something struck you and you said, oh, I want to seek God. I said, from up that time, you were going this way and down the road, and then you turned this way. What did it? I said, what changed your opinion? What come into your heart that made you one time not care for God and something come in and make you go loving God? What done it? He said, well, I don't know. I said, before there could be a creation, there has to be a creator to create that creation. God came in your heart right there when you looked at that piece of paper. He said, you mean I've had it all the time? He said, certainly, brother. And he jumped out of there, began to scream and cry because it settled it. What was it? He said, he said, do you want to pray for me? He said, what's the use of praying for you? He says, you don't need any prayer. The truth has made you free. Amen. I just thought, my goodness, people can struggle and they wonder and hear this one brother going here, 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 here. Everybody tell him one thing or the other and finally saying, well, you're going to go talk to Brother Brandon. He'll tell you that you crossed the line. And all it was was actually to point him back and say, see right there, your desire to God is right at that moment. He said, you turned this way. He said, oh, I got to seek God. Right there is when he said, God change your life right there is when you received it and it was over from that moment amen so i want you to take that don't overcomplicate it oh i need this and i need some 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 big emotional thing or something no it's when did your desire when did god strike your heart and he said my desire i just want more of him my heart is panting after him i thirst after him that is god because there has to be if you're thirsting for that there's a deep there's a god that can fill that desire amen Amen. Hopefully that was just a little helpful for somebody that is wondering, do, you know, do I have it? It's just that. It's just that simple. So, little sister Bruce, what's your desire? Because now your desire is solely on Him. Amen. Now, Satan is a perverter, and his full intent is to squelch any desire you have for God and try and fulfill it with something else. Because there is a thirst. We know that everybody has one. And now Satan is going to try. He's going to do everything he can to try and stuff that. And put something on top or feed something that can make you try and be fulfilled. And now he said, Brother Brown says he perverts. He takes things and perverts them. He said, if, you're, if you won't give that thirst the right place in your life, 
and take the things that God provided to stop that thirst or to quench it. He says, then Satan will lead you to some of these stagnant cesspools in the world. If you're not, if you don't wreck it, if you don't take your thirst and you don't bring it to God and you don't focus that thirst and allow God to fulfill that, Satan is going to find the opportunity and he's going to now lead you to a cesspool of the world. He says, if you can't find food, what are you going to do? If you're starving and there's zero food anywhere, and there's nothing, and it's day upon day. You can go roughly 40 plus days without food, even upwards to 60. Some people do hunger strikes. Don't go that long. But if you're that long without food, you're searching for something, you'll eat anything. But Abraham says you'll eat garbage. If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, and there's zero water anywhere, and you're now at day two, and day pushing three, and you're, you're, you're hitting, the, hitting the line, guess what you're going to drink? Some stagnant, nasty puddle full of who knows what, disease and dirt, but it's something, it's something that you need, and you're going to drink it anyhow, because there's a thirst, and it requires, and you say, I'll take it, I'll take anything. And that's what the devil's looking for, an opportunity to throw you into some stagnant cesspool. And he wants to throw you a substitute to fulfill the desire that you have. And then you wonder why the world, they binge. Probably, you know, binge Netflix. You know, these ads pop up and, you know, binge this or binge that. It's just like, just consume it. And, 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 and so you got people nowadays, Satan is just dumping Stop content and, 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 and things in front of people, whether it's video games or social media or whatever, whatever it is, but he's just, it's like there's a, this incredible mountain of content he's just dumping on everybody. You don't even have a chance to get up and breathe. Just binge this. It's like episode one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The world has just gone mad over TV show after TV show after TV show or, or video game or series of this. And they go all night and they're playing and their eyeballs go red and they're just, they're, they're completely consumed. Satan's not even letting, letting them up for air to even find out if they're not satisfied with that, but they just keep going. He doesn't even let them get up to even take a moment and step back and be like, is this really what I want? And he doesn't even let him take that moment to evaluate, where is this taking me? You know, you could have a, you could have a, uh, great, I was just thinking, you could have a great thirst for, for something. But if it's the wrong thing, you know, you could love Red Bull till you're blue in the face. Or V8 juice or some, some random drink. And if that's all you drank, like, this is all I want, because this is, it's everything. If, if you never even let up from that, A, if it was V8 juice, you'd probably swell up to about 400 pounds because of all the salt content. And with all the Red Bulls, your heart rate would probably go to 400 beats a second after, after drinking that constantly. You'd die at some point because it's the wrong thing for the thirst. And so the same thing is Satan is not even though giving them that option. He's basically running them right down the road. They don't even have the ability to step back or take a breath of air and be like, is this what I need? No, it's not what you need. You need to take the step back and say, what am I thirsting for? But he's better. Bram says somehow he was talking about a lady and she was in the hotel or where they were having meetings or something. She was walking down and they were just doing some different immoral stuff and drinking and whatever. And she said, whoopee. He said, this is life. And they're walking down the hallway. 
He says, my, how mistaken you are, lady. That's death. He said, that woman lives in pleasure, is dead while she's living. He says, that's what he said. The Bible says, he says, how the devil has made people believe that that was life. What, what a subtle devil to try and make people believe that that's life and they're on a straight road to hell as she's twisting and, and walking down the, down the hall. He said, that's death, a perverted life. It's not life. That's the kind of life that becomes so miserable. So many times it's just people just want to end it because they're just there's there's nothing at the end of it. It doesn't quench the desire that God placed in them because there's only one thing that can. And I was thinking of of a scripture and we and it's one we know so well that our Branham talks about it so many so many times. I was thinking of the woman at the well and how what her life would have been like. You know, we can just read through the read through the scripture and, and we know how Brother Branham as he as he will speak about it. And even when he even when Jesus says, Well, you have five husbands, and even the one you're with is not even your husband. And if you just step back on that, she had some sort of desire. And she was trying to fill it. Think about it, five husbands. This is not this is this isn't just like, well, I got married and then you know it didn't work out, so I you know, no, she went through five people. Five, constantly, one, and then another, and then another, and then another. There was a desire there, something. She was craving something, and she, it's not here, and it's not here, and it's not here. And she was yearning. She had to have been yearning in an incredible way to go from one husband to two husbands to three husbands, five husbands. And then even the one she was with, number six, wasn't even her husband. What a state she would have been in as she comes up to that well. What her life, what the scars, what the wounds, what the complexes, what the oh, she, depressions and anxieties. I don't know what all had been could have been created for that poor little lady, poor sister that had gone through who knows what scars to get to this point where she's now coming to a well because Jesus said, I have needs to go by Samaria. Amen. He didn't care about all of her tragic past. All he knew was she had a desire for me. And Jesus says, I got to be there because she's hungering. She's thirsting for righteousness. And I am righteousness and I need to be there for her. Incredible. And she's looking for satisfaction somewhere. And Jesus comes now and sits there at the well. And now he starts to talk with her. And it is just the account as you just try and get into not just the, the lines of scripture, but actually into the world of where she would have been at. As now Jesus is talking to her and she's now, and he's now speaking to her. And she says, he says, you have no, you have five husbands and the one you're with is truly, um, is not the husband. And the woman said, I perceive thou art a prophet. And our fathers worship in these mountains. And so then Jesus goes on and says, Believe me, the hour cometh that will neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship. And she actually misunderstood him earlier. If you read back on chapter, on verse 15, he, she says, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I give, she's looking for something. She's thirsty. And he's saying, Would you give me a drink? And then he says to her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Speaking of Jacob's well that they're at. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I give him, shall never thirst again. But the water that I give him shall be in a well of water, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Can you imagine what she's hearing? 
She, she's hearing, oh, this is the first time she ever heard words like this before in her life, I'm sure. And so then she says, she says to him, sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And I don't quite think she really understood what God was saying where he says, go get your husband and come hither. And she says, well, I don't have a husband, as you just said. And then they start talking about worship. And they start talking about Jesus saying, now time will come when we'll worship in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh much such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And now this is reaching something deeper than Jesus. Hey, I perceive she's, uh, first he's told her that she has five husbands and the one she's with is not. And then he starts ministering. He says, now God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And there's something in there, I, something that's meeting some of her desires. I'm wanting to worship. She must have had a craving to worship God. She must have had a desire. There's more to this because he's now ministering to her on this level that he that will worship him in spirit and the truth for God is a spirit. Then the woman said unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all these things. She says, he's the one that's going to reveal this. He's the one that's going to unveil all of this. He says, I that speaketh to you am he. That's when she dropped her water pot. She knew if he could discern my heart and she's now ministering, he's now ministering to her about how she must, how worship will be not in this mountain or in this mountain, but in spirit and in truth. She said, this must be, he says, I am he. And she drops her water pot and he's gone. Amen. Because there was a desire there and God was ministering it. It was the only thing, not five husbands, not some other man, not who knows what else she had to deal with and go over and turn over and try and figure out, but no one thing. One thing, it was Jesus Christ that could meet her desire. And that is the only thing that will meet any of our desires is Jesus Christ. Amen. Her water pot meant nothing from that moment on and turned that little city upside down. Amen. Now. Abraham says, instead of accepting the joy of the Lord, people want joy today. What do they do? Instead of accepting joy, they turn to sin. They don't. They go to church and claim to be servants of Christ. And then when they get real nervous, they light up a cigarette or something, or put, you know, fill in the blank there for whatever else someone does when they get real nervous and they go and do something they, you know, that they a habit they have. And when they want to have some fun, they stick on some clothes or whatever else. They go out and. Dry, uh, do the grass and they whistle at them and they do they do everything to be popular they want to look like movie stars that's their joy but jesus said i am their sufficiency he says the reason they do that because they don't want to drink from that fountain and they turned it down he said and they join themselves with some kind of man-made system some kind of cistern that's all full of stagnated things and it's just the devil he's putting in a, he wants to put in a fake imitation some false cheap junk some sort of substitute satisfaction that will never, ever fill the desire that you have in your heart. You can run, put yourself in the, in the woman at the well. Uh, if it's five husbands, I don't care if it's movies, I don't care if it's music, I don't care if it's popularity, I don't care whatever it is, whatever it is, that will never fulfill the desire. It's just cheap junk of the devil to try and satisfy something in your soul some groaning some yearning some thirst that you have you have a thirst that god placed in you and he's saying i am the one he came to the woman of the well i am he that's the only one that would fulfill her desire now when we talk about water input 
equals output. If we're in a hospital or somewhere medical, you're always you're watching in and out. You know how much water went in the body, how much water comes out of the body. You know you, you want to track that. And same thing, if you put in if you put in goodness, goodness comes out. You're going to put in the world, the world's coming out. If you're going to put in just false religion, false religion's coming out. There's there's it, there's but you, if you're going to put in, if you're going to put in the real thing, then the real thing can manifest through your life, right? And I was thinking, what about spirituality? If we weren't, if we're not feeding and drinking on the rivers of living water, what do we expect to come out? What do we expect if we're just drinking in all the things of this world? And I just think, okay, so you want to get dehydrated, you start, don't drink, don't drink water. You want to get dehydrated, start, start just backing, backing up on your drinking water. What happens is your cells, as we said, start to shrink and all that. And I just, just wonder how many of us are spiritually dehydrated spiritually how often how much are we actually feeding ourselves and if we monitor input and output are we actually are are our bodies is our spiritual mentality our our capacities are we actually shriveled are our cells inside of us oblong shaped because we haven't put in the spiritual water the fountain of living water is not filling us daily daily washing us and filling us and we're becoming spiritually dehydrated i say what are you drinking what are we drinking? Forget all this garbage. Satan's just trying to give you a bunch of, uh, sp- bunch of, uh, spiritual energy drinks, so to speak. And he just wanted to give some sugary stuff or some of this. And it's, it's, it's not to replace water. Spiritual living water. As it'll never quench. Amen. Don't neglect it. Don't neglect the thirst, but our brand says the danger of neglecting a thirst. If you neglect to satisfy a thirst of water or food, you die. And he says, if you neglect the thirst in you for God, you spiritually die. And I was, when he, I, brother Aaron McGeary spoke a service on the least desire a year or two ago. And I, I, I anybody that is maybe just uh, struggling or, or just in, in the balance and they're, they're in the world or they're, I go back and listen to that service. He speaks on the least desire, but our brand of me says, if you've got something in your heart and you won't express it and so forth and you keep putting it off, well, later on, he says, and that little desire that you once had to serve God will be taken from you. So if you have the least desire, there must be something that even brought you he says to this breakfast this morning, or there's something that brought you to be listening to the service tonight, or there's something that's going to bring you to listen to this service later on. There's something there. There's a, there's a desire. Even the tiniest, most insignificant, smallest desire. It means, Brother Bram says, it means something brought you here. There must be some desire or you wouldn't be here. Now don't let that desire trinkle off. Don't let it trinkle off. Because there's something that's going to meet that need. Culture, even the least desire. He says, there it is. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word. Amen. So put yourself, I think another spot he speaks about getting into the right atmosphere. If you can get in the right presence, that teeny little desire will start to grow. And he says, I think it comes from a little, goes from a shadow of a shadow of a shadow to a shadow to a little more shadow. And it just starts to manifest itself because that desire was put into the right atmosphere and it starts to grow. Even the smallest and leastest of desires. Amen. Don't neglect even the smallest thirst. Now, the desire of the bride can only be quenched, as we, as we've said, by the word. 
Now we'll just take a bit of a shift. David says, Psalm 63. I'll just back up. There's nothing that will satisfy our thirst but God when we know. And David says, Oh God, thou art my God. The Psalms are just beautiful. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Think of the visual image here. My soul thirsteth, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land. And so we have this image of a desert wasteland and there's no water nowhere. And his flesh longeth for God. In that capacity. To see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee. While I live I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied. As with the marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. God isn't hanging David. Into the in the, in the uh, desert where there's no water. David is saying I long for thee like this. But my soul is satisfied. Like with uh, with with marrow and fatness. It, he's not just left thirsty. He's not just left longing. He's not just left unquenched. But he's actually satisfied by a living God. My soul longeth for a living God. When I remember thee upon my bed. And meditate on thee in the night watches. Because thou hast been my help. Therefore in the shadow of thy wings. Will I rejoice. David knew what he was talking about. David went through a whole lot of trials and difficulties. And in, and Brother Brown talks about him. My soul panteth for the, uh, the heart panteth for the water. He indicates he was, he was, uh, a fugitive and looking down in Bethlehem at, at the longing for the well. As the heart panteth for the water and he's longing for water himself. So my soul longeth for thee. He knew, he knew desperate situations, but he knew a God that satisfied his every need, his every desire, his every, his every want, anything. He knew it. He knew, he knew that God. Amen. And that's the same God that, that his bride knows. Amen. When we have received of his living waters. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Because those that seek my soul to destroy it. It shall go into the lower parts of the earth. And he's speaking Psalm 63. And David knew a God that would, could satisfy the hunger that he spoke of. And that thirst that he so describes amen and god's word can't lie can't lie so if it says blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness the other part of it is you shall be filled amen that is brother branham says that is the quenching of that thirst he is the satisfying portion of his church the all-sufficient one that satisfies every longing when a man leaves things of the world and comes to christ he finds that all sufficiency in christ and when he finds christ Amen. He said, but it's hunger. It's desperation that drives you to him, though. Because I know someone who say, well, I, I've tried before, and, and I've been to a thousand camp services, or I've been to church, and I've been to the altar, and, and I've tried. That's not it. It's not I've tried. Or I, did, I just, you know, it, did, it didn't. It, that's not the level. This is, a, this is a, when you get to desperation. When you get to the pangs of hunger or thirst where you're going to die. If I go one more day, I'm dead. Then that's the level of desperation. We say, I need Jesus. And don't stop nothing short of that. 
That's where it becomes a knot I've tried before. It means I'm not leaving this point until my soul is filled, till my thirst is quenched, till my hunger is satisfied. That's no more trying. That's It is and it's going to will be because he said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. If you hunger and you thirst after righteousness in that level, in that desperate desire, God's word says he will be filled. Amen. You've got to forsake everything. You've got to make your choice now. Are you ready to forsake everything and follow after him? If God goes to putting a thirst in your heart, you'll forsake everything in the world. I walked away, but Abraham's saying, I walked away from my own mother and father, a home. i got a wife and three children, he says, sitting here right now. If they'd tell me, no more preaching. He says, I'd walk straight away from home. Yes, sir, as much as I love them, die for them right here. But Christ is all. That's the level it's at. Christ is all. It don't matter. And God wants each one of us to be at that aspect, that level of desire, that level of, of, of hunger and longing for him. And then we are filled. I say, well, I tell you, like it, it the scripture has witnesses down to the ages of the satisfying portion that those, these wells of living, this well of living water, that when Jesus pours it into you, it satisfies your longing of your soul. And you can say, well, I, you know, I don't know. No, there's, there's a, too, many, too many years and ages have gone by. Too many witnesses have gone by to show that it's, it, it, it holds in the worst of times. It holds in the most wickedest of times. I was, we were talking to the young people on Friday night on the, on the Zoom thing, uh, young people sing on Friday. And we were just talking, I asked them if they knew about the Christians in the catacombs. And, and very few people actually even did, and I was, I was finally surprised. But because these were our early Christians, and they were down in the depths of the earth underneath the cities, hundred, you know, tens of meters down below, living in darkness. People are dying by the hundreds up in the Colosseum. The most dangerous thing they had to do was actually go and get the bodies. They didn't, they had to go into the Colosseum itself. They had to go get the, the different believers that had just been tortured and mauled by animals. And, and, and here they, they didn't know if they were going to be, uh, uh, locked up in prison, just receiving the bodies and trying to, to bury them of such in the catacombs. But they had a satisfying, portion that held them through death and peril and darkness and sword as hebrews 11 talks about and all the different things that they went through they are witnesses that this satisfier the the well of living water that jesus said who he was they are witnesses to tell you age has gone by gone by gone by no matter the storm it holds no matter the issue no matter how wicked the time, no matter the pressure of the age, no matter the pandemic, no matter I don't see my friends, no matter I haven't been to church, no matter nothing, if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, it just doesn't matter. You'll wage any storm at any time. Amen. And the early Christians of old, all the way up to now, that was their source of strength. Their source of living water was our Lord Jesus. And that's what the, your thirst is for. Do not fill it with something else. Well, we're in our own famine. Scripture said in Amos 8, 10 to 11, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, I will send famine in the land, not for a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words 
of the Lord. My goodness. Here's a famine. No, and, and how subtle it is. We're in, in North America where we have more food and more sustenance and more earthly pleasures and more, more things. But here now a famine in the land, not for food, not for water, but for hearing the words of the Lord. We're in a spiritual famine is where we're at right now. And can you imagine now, think of, think of, think of Israel back in the, in the old, old times where they had you know, seven years of famine. Think of Joseph and everybody's trying to go to a, into the storehouse. Think of how desperate people would be and people are dying left and right. There's no food, there's no water. And that is exactly where we're at right now. There's a famine in the land. And I was just thinking, how are we walking by? And are we looking at, at just spiritual people that are just dying of thirst, dying of hunger, spiritually now? And we're, we're in because there's a famine for hearing the word of God. I said, Lord, how thankful I am that there are lighthouses, that there are still sources of strength. There was a place, there was a little, a little woman Brother Tom was speaking on Sunday. There was Elijah fed by the ravens. Every time there was a famine, God always sustained his elect. There was always a source of strength. He said, I'll never leave my righteous begging for bread. And so there might be a famine in the land, but God has a source. He's got living water for his people that are in this dry and desert wasteland of Laodicea. But he's got a, he's got a word. He's got a message that came for this time to meet this need. And you've got to receive this word to quench the desire and the thirst that you have for this time. Noah's message didn't work then for us now. Moses' message doesn't work for, for us now. There's a specific message. There's specific food. There's specific living water. And it's Jesus Christ in this message that is going to quench the desire, quench the thirst in this famine of the spiritual famine that we are in right now. Tucked away in his pavilion. Amen. Extreme scarcity is what famine means. Extreme scarcity for hearing the word of God. How thankful I am to be able to have eyes to see and ears to hear in extreme scarcity of the time we're in in this Laodicean age who's have need of nothing in their minds and their natural desire is covering and squelching the thirst but Lord, I am so thankful for this message. Brother Bram says, unless, my, he goes, my soul thirsts for living God like the heart pants for water. Unless I find it, I'll perish. When you get hungering for God like that, something's going to take place. Now I'm just going to do a little shift as we just turn a little corner and we'll close here very, very quickly. When we are, and I just pray, Lord, help me do take this little turn a little bit. When when we're desirous and so and thirsty, and we have this desire that God has placed placed in us, and we're we're needing you know living water uh, that that only He can provide and only He can satisfy, and that that is our the desperate moment. That is your you know before God, you get to that moment where I that's all I need, as we talked about, and that becomes your sole focus and desire when you come into that hunger. But then when God fills you. And you are now overflowing. 
the desire does not change. Your, your yearning is still, is still, you long for him. And as many, how many songs we can sing, Lord, I just want more. More of you. More of you. I've had it all, but what I need is more of you. Amen. And now there's that longing there. But I just want to, there's a bit of a, also a shift or maybe an added desire. Because now instead of just, I need, I need God. I need God. Then now you've, he's filled you. You're, you're overflowing. You're, you're bubbling. And now there's also an, a, this desire that is, what is your desire, Lord? What is your desire? And, I, and I, Lord, what do you desire of me? What, what, what do you, what, what's your will in my life? What do you want to do? And so this, this now becomes you, you weren't thinking about that when you were, when you were in a dry and thirsty land and you were needing God and you were thirsting and I have a thirst and you're filling it with this and this and then you get on a desperate moment and you're hungering and thirsting and God fills it and you weren't thinking about Lord, oh, you know what's your will? No, you, Satan was working hard, but now you, you've been filled. You're, you're, you're overflowing and now are your desire or there's this added component that you are now, Lord, what is your desire? What do you, what do you, what do you want with me? What can I do for you? What is your will in my life? And now there's this, this added component to this desire. If I can try and just explain that. And I was now, so now our focus becomes now also him. He's our desire. All I want is him. All I want, I want more of him. And I was thinking, even as I mentioned, David, David standing on that hill and brother Branham talks about him standing there between the, with the Philistines on garrisoned around Bethlehem. And he speaks about where even this scripture uh, possibly came from as he's longing for a drink of water. David just is yearning for a drink of water at the well. And it's, it's his hometown. It's where his family is. And he's seeing the Philistines there. He's fugitive from, from Saul. And he's longing. And he cries out, Brother Bram says, Oh, for a drink at Bethlehem's well. And he just, he just cries it out. And he said, the least desire of the king was a command to the warriors that were around him. And I said, Lord, that's my desire. Your least desire. Your, what, do you, what do you desire? I said, he, David, he, David was a type of, of, of Jesus Christ. And he desires a drink from his bride. He desires a drink from you and myself in this Laodicean, I thought this Laodicean age, in this famine of a land. And God is saying, oh, if I could just get a drink, if I could just have a refreshing of my, my bride who's just, who's overflowing and bubbling because his least desire is a command to, to the warriors. And I just thought, Lord, what can I do? But our Brandon speaks about it. He says, oh, what a terrible place. I challenge today, he says, some warrior loves Jesus Christ, knows that these things got to be fulfilled. He says, come stand by my side. He says, forget the dried cisterns, pull the fresh word of God. Let's give Jesus a good drink of Pentecostal water. Let's give Jesus, let our life be so full of him that our character matches him and we can be a fresh drink offering to him and say, Lord, in this wasteland, in this desert where there's no, it's a famine, but Lord, I want my life to be just a fresh drink for you. That's my desire. That's my craving. That's his desire today. He's saying Jesus's desire back to the original Pentecost, back to the word. Hey, I said, Lord, may my life, may our lives, may this bride in this last day, in this day right now, may that fulfill that desire that the prophet is speaking, that we can give Jesus a fresh drink in our life. We can cut away everything. His, his, the living water can pour into our lives. All this excess garbage of this world can go away. And our focus is just on him. 
Let's fill our vessels with the pure water of Bethlehem because he desires a drink. He desires, but he talks, I'm just going to skip forward as fast as I can here. Are we willing, are we willing to get our distractions away, all of our different things of our life, the struggles of this world, conditions of this, so that we can just present our lives filled with living water. He's looking for a fresh drink. His life and character poured into me and poured into you. But Abraham says he's looking for her character, the character of Christ. So if he's poured himself into you, then you are going to be his character. And that's exactly what he's looking for. He's looking for that. So then when he can take a fresh drink and be refreshed, he says, oh, that's exactly who I am. I'm looking for my bride. That is her desire is just for me. And, and, and we say to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. That's her desire. That's all the, the bride's desire is. I just want to be like him. I just want to be like him. And he says he's looking for her, her character. Now, just a moment now, he chooses a bride to reflect his character, to which the modern churches of the day, they certainly miss it. He goes, it's got to be the same flesh, the same bones, the same spirit, the same everything, just exactly built up, and them two then become one. Until the church becomes that, they're not one. The character of him, the word of this age must be molded. She must be molded like he is. No matter the cost, may her, her desire is her desire, her desire for him drives her to stand, never wavering, united. We then are united. He's desiring her to be in his image and she's desiring to be in his image and we are united in our desires and that is the bride's desire in this last age. He says the members of the virgin bride will love him they will have his potentials. He is their head and the power belongs to him. They are subject to him as the members of, bo- uh, of our bodies are subject to our heads. He says, he says, Jesus never did anything until it was first showed him by the Father. This harmony now exists between the groom and his bride. Amen. It's united desire. It's a united force. He shows her his word of life and she receives it. She never doubts it. Therefore, nothing can harm her, not even death. Glory. Amen. There's more there. You can, you can find where that is and you can read the more. We don't have time to go, go into it. But I just, that's just where I just wanted to say, Lord, help us. You, help us be united in what you desire. Instead, now, instead of being focused on all this word, you filled us, you filled us to overflowing. We've all sat like the woman at the well where he says, I that speaketh to you am he. And now our desire now is solely focused on him. We're, we're setting our eyes apart from this Laodicean age and we're just looking right at him and saying, Lord, what is your desire? What do you desire of me? And he's saying, I'm wanting a fresh drink. I'm wanting a fresh drink. And he's saying, Lord, pour it into me. And we're just now, you, we're just now focused and united in our desire to be like him and him desiring you to be like him. Amen. Amen. Musicians, you can come. This true church, uh, the true church of Christ, the bride, is so sold out to him and his promised word till the very mind that's in Christ is in you. This is exactly, this is where we are now. This is where we are now. And now we wait for his return. And we're waiting for his return. And I just thought of, of the little armor girl. As, as that James Armour, whoever it was that, that uh, came to her and he says, 
And she, there she is now, just set aside from all her denominational cousins and outcast one. And he tells her, you're, I want to marry you. You're, you're mine. You've got the character that I'm looking for. And he starts speaking love to her. And he starts telling her, you're the one. No, I'm unworthy. No, but you got something deeper. you got something inside of you. And so he starts, he says, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back now. And so she now is, now she's, now her desire is just on him. It's just on him. He said, he's coming back. She said she worked. She worked a little 75 cents, whatever it was a day. And she just focused on, he's coming back. He's coming to get me. And so she starts making herself ready. Age after age, age after age. She starts keeping herself ready. She's keeping herself pure. And it's working it's all the way down, all the way down to the last stage where then she starts putting on her wedding garment. She went on and bought it. She went on and did what she needed to do. She's keeping herself pure. And she now puts her robe. She's now robing herself in the message of this last day. And she starts putting on the scripture. She starts putting on the message. And she says, I'm getting ready. It's about that time. He's coming down the road. I should be getting myself ready. And so she now puts that wedding garment on because her desire, her focus is so centered on one thing. He said, I must be ready for his return. Amen. Finally, he says, Brother Bram says, finally the hour come. The sun was going down and she robed her little self. You know, she got all prettied up. Oh my, that's the hour the church ought to be in right now. All robed up in his righteousness, filled with his spirit, powered with his being, walking in the light, waiting for the coming of the Lord. Amen. There she was, got already all cleaned and washed, wedding garment on. You know what? And it got closer. And that's the more critical the cousins got. Oh, he says, you poor little simple-minded thing. Do you mean to tell me that the armor's son would marry somebody like you? Oh, don't tell me the devil doesn't speak to you and say, oh, you think you're the bride of Jesus Christ? Oh, you think you're good enough? You think you're worthy? You make mistakes every day? You trip and fall? You did this? Oh, no. She didn't care what the devil said. She didn't care what other, her little cousins were telling her. She just stood there. She said, mm-hmm. He'd marry somebody. She said, he would marry somebody like us. This is her, the cousins talking to her. Someone who had education. Someone who had glamour. See, that's what the church thinks today, but how far off they are. That's right, way off. And so she now makes herself ready. And her desire, she says, oh, it's going to come without a fight. It wasn't going to come without a fight. It wouldn't, he didn't, he didn't say it'd be easy, but he said, be ready, because I'm going to come. And there she never wavered. She never wavered one little bit. But, but Abraham says, I, he taught, I won't even, I'll, I'll just skip ahead. He says, but boy, when she started hearing that little buckboard, when she started hearing that little dust rolling, she said, I think I see him in the, in the distance. Oh, all of the, what they said, oh, everything the devil tried to put on you, all the condemnation that he tried to pour on, it didn't matter no more, not even one little bit. Because then he says, oh, he comes off and he says, sweetheart, all year long I've been watching you. He said, oh, I'm so glad. He said, the Holy Ghost, his eyes on the sparrow and he watches me all year long. I've been watching you. I've seen your virtues. He goes, and I've seen the flirts of other men. I've seen all this, but I've seen you were true. Oh, he says, it swelled my heart to know that the woman I was going to marry was true. Her desire never wavered. Her thirst was filled and quenched, and she was so focused. My desire is what he desired, and I'm going to make myself ready. He said, God, let that be our testimony. Let that be our desire today. Live true to Christ. Be true to the calling. Be true to the Spirit. And he grabbed her in her arms and set her up on the buckboard and turned that carriage away to Chicago. He said, you've worked and you've toiled and your little blistered hands will be never be blistered again. Oh, you've labored and you've sweated and you've, you've knelt before God. You've gone through your afflictions and you were, you toiled. You were persecuted. Whatever it was, he said, you'll never be persecuted again. The things you've done without, you'll never have to do without again. For the one, for one of the swellest homes that can be bought, 
on Lakeside Drive. I tell you, a cattle on a thousand hills, there ain't no other place that can even compare to where you and I are going to when he takes us in his arms and says, I'm taking you away. Why? Because you become exactly what I wanted. You maintain the course. You press to the prize. You didn't waver. Nothing beset you. You put it behind you and your desire was so focused on him and you were quenched. You were filled and now the reward came. And he takes you on his buckboard and off we go into glory. Amen. Amen. That's the bride's desire. Amen. Is to be worthy of that and to be filled. Our thirst solely focused on him. Amen. That we could be at that moment. Like I said, there ain't nothing. There ain't nothing. As the little brother man said, where will you spend eternity? That's all that matters because we want to be right here. And we want to have that wedding garment on. And they say, Lord, what is your desire? Just take a fresh drink. May my life be a fresh drink for you. I just want to be an outpouring. And you can just drink me in. And that my character can just be a complete image of you. Amen. Well, bless you. Sorry. A little broken up maybe. Trying to weave the thought through. But amen. If you're thirsty, come get a drink. If your heart is yearning, is it hungering? Come be filled. Amen. Sit at that little well. There's Jesus can sit right beside you and say, what do you have need of? Yeah, this is your problem. He spoke right of a problem. And he said, oh, thou art the Christ. I had to speak to you. And he, amen. Amen. To be like Jesus. I have a couple songs. We're just going to sing. We'll close. Oh, my, I just had two, two, so many songs I wanted to sing. I want to sing Longing for Jesus and only you, Lord, and only Jesus can satisfy my soul. I just, there's so many of mine. There's a deep, deep calling. There's a deep, deep to respond. Amen. Let's just sing that. Where there's a deep, deep calling. I'm going to sing all alone, so I'm hoping you're all singing with me. We can stand. Oh, where there's a deep. sing when 
We see the trees of winter. Only but her mic could sing it just so perfectly. Amen. I love that song. Uh, we'll just sing just gently and quietly as before we dismiss in prayer. Is there? There is a river. I just love this. It's a, I know it's a little slower song, but I just I just sang this over and over and over as I was preparing. And I was just even the second verse there, the first verse. There was a thirsty woman. She was drawn from a well. We can sing the chorus first here, and we'll just just sing that just so sweetly in your little rooms. Before we close, there's a river that flows from deep within. There's a fountain. Amen. Oh, and there is a
vast supply. Isn't that beautiful? It's not just a little bit and only one of us can get there. First come and then it's gone. It's not the case. It's not the case. There's a vast supply. Amen. There's a river that never shall run dry. Glory. Amen. Beautiful. Well, we'll dismiss if I was brave, which I could be. If somebody, John, if you were quick on your mute button, I'm pretty sure I could have you close in prayer because we can probably do that. You're, uh, you're still muted. There we go. Can I hear you? Yes. Hey, God bless you, man. Brother Michael. Can you hear us? I can hear you. God bless you, Brother John. Look, okay. Could you close in prayer? Yes, sir. Amen. Our dear Heavenly Father, what a joy. And what a pleasure tonight yes, to Lord. be able to gather Hallelujah. at the fountain, yes, Lord. gather around the well and yes. gather around your presence, Lord, in the heat of the That's battle right. of this age that we're living in right. and to hear a message tonight that of the bride's desire and to know that your word is ministering to the hearts of your people in the congregation. Lord, we thank you tonight. We lift our hearts in worship together as an assembly that we can be connected together like this. And in this time of great struggle and battle to know that our great king, our great warrior of the Lord Jesus Christ is calling on us and crying out to us for a fresh drink. And Lord, I pray as warriors and men and women of the cross that we would drop everything of this world and fight our way through all the unbelief of this age. Fight our way through all the things of this life and bring you back what we heard tonight, that fresh water, that fresh drink that you're so desirous of. Lord, we're thankful for the word tonight. We're thankful that in this time of famine and in this time of global trouble that we have a place we can run into and be saved. And hear the kind of messages like we heard tonight from your throne and from your servant that gives us courage that gives us faith, that gives us encouragement to keep pressing on. Lord, we pray for the congregation. We pray for every need. We uh, thank you for Brother Michael that ministered tonight, for the musicians, for the ministry, for the technical part that provided this connection, Lord. And we pray you would continue to minister to each heart throughout this season as we come into the Christmas season in December when so many people are running presenting themselves and making themselves available to many things in this world that we could present ourselves to you. Lord, water the word tonight. May it bring forth a hundredfold. And we thank you for this opportunity and this atmosphere. Lord Jesus, bless your servants tonight and your brothers and sisters and your families that are connected in their rooms in many places. We bless them tonight and close the service in your presence in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Brother John. God bless you, each one. Good to see you, Sister Rena, Sister Natuzzi, Frey family, Michael. Sister Anna, all of you, Sister Linda, God bless you, the Reeveses, my, 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 Gindo's in there, <laughs> hope I didn't miss no one, God bless you, it's good seeing you, have a wonderful evening, those that I can't see, I know you're all there, and who have a wonderful week, and we'll see you, Lord willing, on Sunday, and I believe Sunday night, service at the camp, so don't forget that, we have service at the camp on Sunday night, and Brother Ernie, I believe, is speaking for that one, so God bless you, we'll have a wonderful evening.
Jesus' name, we press on. God bless you.